Well, Pastor Jeff, over the last few weeks, he has preached on four activities that are essential. Those four activities are essential to all local churches, and we are no exception here at Grace Community Bible Church. These are to be participated in together. He spoke about sober-minded prayer and a love that covers all. He spoke on joyful hospitality. And last week on spiritual gifts, that we are to serve with our spiritual gifts within the body, doing the one another's for his glory and his glory alone. So this morning we come to a passage that ties right into this theme. I thank Pastor Jeff for taking the time to help me prepare this, the time to understand 1 Corinthians 3. You see, we must focus on these four activities unified together if we are to do the will of God. The will of God is to preach the gospel and to further his kingdom here in Lakeville and across the earth. All this is tasked to the local church, believers, each and every one of us sitting here today. There's lots of pressure out there, isn't there? Persecution, different opinions and strained relationships. It's always been that way in the church. It's clearly that in the world and in our communities, our workplaces, and unfortunately sometimes our families, but it creeps into the church as well. There is pressure to divide. What is at stake? How do we move forward this fall at Grace Community Bible Church in unity? Well, by God's providence, he has led me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Please turn your Bibles. It's page 1142 if you have a Bible from the back. Now, as we're turning there, we heard John read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 to set the context. You see, Paul is addressing a concern in the church at Corinth a situation or a concern of disunity. Paul expresses the need for the Corinthian church leaders to recognize that Jesus Christ is the foundation and that aligning themselves with any other Christian leaders or programs or theology divides and separates the church. Paul has reminded the brothers and sisters in the Corinthian church that we are not to be captured by worldly or fleshly wisdom, but rather we are to focus on the unity, the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only thing that can unify us. This is the foundation laid by the apostles. Now, with that context in mind, let's read 1 Corinthians 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshy. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshy? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, Are you not mere men? What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. 
So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise, that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. In chapter 3 to the Corinthian church, Paul notes that he could not speak to them as spiritual men because they are not. He doesn't mean that they're not saved. But rather, even as believers, they are not walking in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they're being fleshy. Described as jealousy, as striving, walking around like mere men and women, saying, I am of Paulos, I am of Paul. Paul goes on to provide us the reasons to strive for one another in humility and understanding, all pointing to this theme. Brothers and sisters in the local church, are called to serve God in unity through humility for the furtherance of the gospel. From Paul's letter to the church, we can see that they were really facing a lot of struggles, worldly issues, fleshly philosophies. They were invading the local church in Corinth. Now, I would submit that Paul's teaching is relevant for today, very relevant And it's for the entire universal church, but more importantly, the local churches today, like Grace Community Bible Church. Today, so many things threaten to divide us. How about public health guidance, governmental overreach, politics, doctrinal disputes, teaching approaches, Christian conduct, all in the face of a darkening world. Paul's teaching for building of unity in the local church is where the rubber meets the road. So this morning, we're going to look at this Christian unity in four sections. 
on your outline, the roles of the builders. Building on the foundation, number two, how we build so that our work glorifies God. Number three, faults in the foundation, what division can lead to. Number four, maintaining a firm foundation, right? Paul's solution to the Corinthian church and to us. First then, the roles of the builder, number one in your outline. As believers, the Corinthians were dividing themselves and aligning themselves with other leaders and apostles. Paul sees the need, the need to clarify the roles of the apostles. The apostles, under the unity of Jesus Christ, were to teach the gospel and to build the church of Christ. Now, there are only two roles, two. Look at them in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes growth. Do you see the two roles? The role of the servants and the role of God. First, the role of the servants. That's all of us. That's all the believers in the local church doing ministry together. The servants are to plant and water, which the text notes amounts to nothing. The second role contrasted here is God's role. And God causes growth, and that amounts to everything. So servants plant in water, which amounts to nothing, and God causes growth, which amounts to everything. You see, servants, every single one of us here, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a cleaner, whether you're an adult ministry, children's ministry, whether you're in the building team, or you're serving in some other way, we are all called to plant and water with no credit for gospel growth. Yet God who causes the growth gets all the credit. And God alone is responsible for the result or the outcome. Now, does it sound a little bit better when I say that we, the Bible says that we are not responsible for the result, right? Because left to us, we would fail. But left to God, his promises will come true. See, we are responsible to labor in servanthood to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our calling. And thank goodness that the result is controlled by God and not us. Notice in verse 8 that the planter and the waterer are not in competition, but rather both must serve for the bearing of fruit. Let's look at it. Verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So are we serving in unity or are we serving in competition? Are you thankful for the gifts of others, even when they exceed your own talents, your own capabilities, or do you get grumbly and complain because you have a lack of gifting or talent in that particular area? Careful, be careful, for the seeds of discontent can poison and snuff out the preciousness of your service to the Lord. 
Here's the second point of these two roles. Verse 8 stated that God rewards his servants based on their own labor. Their labor is focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to labor. Make no mistake, as believers in Jesus Christ, who have been saved by grace alone, not through our works, we are called to now labor. We are to be a tool that comes alongside the work of God. How wonderful we get to do that. Through our efforts, properly focused, we will receive rewards from Christ. Another picture we're going to see is God's building. That was the field, the agricultural perspective. We're going to see God's building and God's temple, where the local church is made up of Christian believers who are laboring together. So let's take a look at that in verse 10. Number two in your outline, building on the foundation, how we build so that our work glorifies God. Now, as we move into verse 10, we recognize that there's many other illustrations or pictures of the local church. The local church is very important. This is how God carries out his ministry. The vine, the body, the temple, the building, on and on. So looking at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Paul is basically saying he and the apostles laid a foundation so that another, you as a believer sitting here today, or those who are at home listening online because they couldn't be here, so that you can build on it. Like a wise master builder, the apostles, including Paul, helped lay the foundation of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. By that grace and that grace alone, the apostles were able to lay that foundation that we now get to build on as laborers in Christ. No note. The foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only foundation that we are called to build on. We are not to build on any other foundation. The saving gospel of Jesus Christ is the only foundation. Consider this building. The architects and the engineers had a master plan. They dug down to soil and rock that could hold up the foundation, these walls and these ceilings. When the builders came along, the masons and the carpenters who built these walls and this ceiling, they had to follow that plan and build on that foundation. They couldn't add another foundation on their own, for if they did, it would collapse. People would be hurt. People would be lost. This building would be destroyed. Clearly, they did a good job because it's been here since 1964. Amen? We are to do the same. The apostles laid the foundation, and we are not to build on any other foundation or try to add to that foundation. But it is not just about building on a different foundation. It includes every Believer building rightly 
building rightly on that foundation. So look back at verse 10 again. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. It says that another is to build on that foundation. Who's the another? Well, we've already stated that. It's all of us. Every single one of us has been gifted in some way in ministry to serve the Lord. It's the believers of the local church. So why do we have to be careful how we build on it? Well, look at it, verse 11 through 13. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. So we have to be careful in how we build on it because verse 12 tells us that we are to be building with gold and silver, precious metals, precious stones, rather than wood, hay, or straw. Have you ever tried to build with stubble and hay and straw? Paul says that each believer, each church member's work will become evident. The materials we use to build with have eternal significance. Eternal significance. We better be building with the right material. For it will be revealed by fire, and the fire itself will test each believer's labor in Christ. Now look at verse 14. Verse 14 tells us that if any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. Now, if you go on to 15, you notice you're going to see a contrast here. Verse 15 says, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. One scholar unpacks verse 15 for us this way. Quote, it is an expressible source of comfort to us amid the weakness and ignorance of our lives to know that if we have only erred through human frailty and feebleness, while yet we desire to be sincere and faithful, the work will be burnt, yet the workmen will be saved. As we sang earlier, the work is finished. We are saved by grace alone. As born-again believers, you have died with Christ, and you have been born again. And now you have this desire to live for Christ and to serve him, don't you? We're not going to lose our salvation because we built with the wrong materials, because we are fully saved by grace and grace alone in Jesus Christ. Amen? However, as believers, our greatest desire includes hearing that heavenly reward when we face Christ face to face. Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that the desire of your heart? See, the content of verses 14 and 15 clearly denote that this is not a time of punishment, but rather a time of reward. For those that build with wood, hay, or straw, their work will be burned up. It will not last. But they will not be condemned. They will not be condemned. Now, as believers, 
we are not to be overly focused on rewards. Right? And I often hear it from the body here. We don't understand those rewards. Why would I have a crown and why would I throw it at Jesus' feet? I don't deserve anything. Well, the Bible talks about rewards like the crown of righteousness, the crown of exaltation, and the crown of unfading glory. We focus on the crown of life, which is life, which is Jesus Christ and life eternal for us. Amen? But let's not miss the value of the work itself because it is precious. God considers it precious. And what God considers precious, may we not disregard. Look again at verse 15. It says, he will be saved, but the man's work will be burnt up. So what loss will be suffered if he is saved through fire? The believer may have smoke and singes, even hair burnt, but he or she will be saved. However, the loss will be a loss of reward. Now, note verse 15 is not just dealing with reward for the server, for the laborer, but something of infinite value, God's glory. Listen, if we want the highest reward, or I should say we want the highest reward, since that would be most glorifying to the Lord himself. We want the highest reward because that would be most glorifying to the Lord himself. It's not about us. Our work as servants to Jesus Christ will stand eternally, having made a difference. Don't you want to make a difference working with the Lord? Our work is assisting God in evangelism and in sanctification, growing in Christ's likeness, together based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that not the longing of each one of your hearts? To be part in what God is doing, to redeem his children to everlasting life for his glory, to have a purity of heart and to serve, to serve and labor for our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we best understand this purity of labor in Christ? While scripture represents this pure work as finer metals versus the wood and hay and straw. How can I, how can you recognize if you are building with precious metals or if you're building with wood and hay? Well, Scripture tells us we are to serve with the purity of heart, of mind, of soul in all we do for Christ. Well, if that's the case, we had been better clear about what our intent our desires, our purposes, our goals, our process, our techniques, and even how we communicate with one another while we're trying to serve him. Said another way, the labor of every believer will be measured for purity against the standard of Jesus Christ. It's a pretty high standard, an infinite standard. You see, building with purity involves right motives, right conduct, and right service. Right motives. Why am I doing this? Out of pride? Out of obligation? What's the right conduct or attitude? How am I going about this? Am I building people up? Am I tearing things down? Am I just trying to get it done? Or am I just going along for the ride and the right service? What am I doing for the Lord 
to further the gospel, to increase sanctification, to help people grow in Christ and to be humble. You see, every Christian is a builder. Every Christian is a builder that's going to build with some sort of materials. What is the quality that you're building with? Think about that for a minute. What is the quality that you are building with? Is it a high quality that's going to test the time of fire? Or is it inferior materials that are going to get burned up? How about us as a local church at Grace Community Bible Church? As a whole, what are we building with? Something that's going to be everlasting or something that's going to fade away? The point is, none of us have the right to build carelessly, no matter what we're doing. We cannot build carelessly on the foundation of Christ. We better be quick to recognize that we are not operating out of purity because our sin is seeping in. We are to repent and ask for forgiveness and ask for guidance from the Holy Spirit. We want to serve the Lord in purity. Yes, in human frailty and feebleness, we are going to fall short. We always do. But remember, God is responsible for the results. We are only responsible for our labor and to labor in the purest manner possible. So we've seen now two materials, wood and metal, that we can build with on the foundation. And that corresponds to two different builders, those that are constructive and those that are worthless. Which are you? Or are you not serving at all? Both are believers building on the gospel of Christ. But their motive, their conduct, and their service are really going to determine if that work has any eternal value, any significance. Now, let's look at the third builder, the one that tears down, the one that destroys rather than builds, the one that creates cracks and fissures in the foundation. Number three in your outline, faults in the foundation, what division can lead to. Let's look at verses 16 and 17 together. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Verse 16 describes the believer and the gathered believers in the local church as the temple of God. Paul notes that we believers are the temple of God and that the Spirit dwells in each and every one of us. So consider how highly God views the local church. Gathered together today at one of the stated meetings to worship, to praise, to learn, to grow, to fellowship, to support, to be here for one another is the service to the Lord. Damaged or missing church members, damaged or missing blocks or stones in the temple will cause failure and sometimes divide and destroy the body itself. See, verse 17 is very direct to the believers. Destroy the temple of God and God will destroy you. Pretty strong language. Why does God take this so seriously? Because the temple of God is holy. 
And holy means set apart. And that's what we are as a local church. The local churches are set apart. We are to serve the Lord in all that we do. We are not to be like the world, but even though we have to live in it, we are to strive to be different, to be in Christ. Now, as we fellow believers and members of this local church gather together, we are holy because God has set us apart together as a local church. We must remember that basic foundation. If we are not careful, we can destroy the local church by creating and encouraging and contributing to division. Yes, we create disunity in division. We do. I have. You probably will. We must be careful. This reference to destruction is more about the believer's false motives than it is false teaching. Let me say that again. This is more about false motives than false teaching. Let me explain that. One theologian says it this way, it is easy to fool ourselves into thinking that anything we do in the Lord's name is in his service, just as long as we're sincere, hardworking, and well-meaning. But God's standards are pure motives, holy conduct, and selfless service. Do you see the contrast there? How many times have we and others done things where we've been sincere and we've worked hard at it and we had the right meaning, but yet it created disunity and division? Now, typically, false motives can lead to and often do lead to false teaching. But there's a contrast here between those that are false teachers and those that are building out of false motivations, those lacking the pure purity in their labors. So first, false teaching is not building on the apostolic foundation of Jesus Christ. It's teaching a different truth. Second, false teachers provoke God to destroy them because they pollute, they corrupt, and they destroy the church. But do not miss it. As believers in the church, we can build on the proper foundation, the true teaching, using the wrong building materials, the hay and the stubble. How can this be, you ask? Because we have the true teaching, but yet we have false motives, desires, and methods. We are to examine ourselves and help each other in the congregation. We want to make sure that we have the right motive, the why, the right conduct or attitude, the how, and the right service, the what. Yes, we must always be careful to align our building labors with the purity of Christ, even though we are in a fallen state. That's why we need each other speaking into our lives even more. We might be saved, but the old man, the old woman, the sin is right there. This is what Paul was addressing, addressing in Corinth. I am of Paul, I am of Apollos. See, this virus of disunity and divisiveness in the local church has to be taken under control. One author notes that divisive loyalties to human leaders are not only contrary to the nature of leadership in the church, but also contrary 
to the true nature of the church itself. So a pet program, a project, a ministry, or a doctrinal view can cause people to take sides, dig their heels in, and justify division. Even now, as we have a building, and God, thank you for this building so that we can meet together and do ministry. Colors of paint and fabrics and projects and upkeep and different good intentions can cause disunity and eventually division. It's all around us. Now, there is a proper place for church separation. Don't mishear me. But that is each local church standing separately on their accounting to Christ for their believers. Yes, we're not going to agree on every doctrine to the nth degree here. And certainly not within the comparison of local churches. We don't agree with every, de- every detail of a doctrine. And the things of the world do crowd in, don't they? Church governance sometimes requires minor acknowledgments and adjustments with how we do things just in order to continue to meet together and to have our focus on Christ and not be swayed by the world. But overall, the threat against the church unity is from believers inside the local church. Let me say that again. The threat to divide and disunity does not come from the world. It comes from the believers themselves within the local church. Don't miss that. Paul ends 1 Corinthians 3 by providing the solution to disunity and division in the local church, and we would be very wise to listen. We are to emulate what the Scripture commands. We are to be quick to humility, to patience and understanding, and give latitude to those around us, all for the sake of unity. We are to be for one another, not against one another. Are you for one another? Do you set aside your own desires for someone else within the body? Are you for them? Paul tells us how to maintain a firm foundation at our local churches, starting in verse 18. Look at it with me. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the things present or the things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. So number four in your outline, Paul's solution to the local church. Notice verse 18 through 20, talk about wisdom of humanity and the craftiness and the foolishness that we have within ourselves and within the world. And we try to apply those things to operations and projects and ministry within the church itself. Oh, we think we are so wise, don't we? We do. Pride is a problem we all struggle with. One commentator expresses the wisdom of man as follows, quotes, The wisdom of this world may be regarded as more intellectual knowledge, 
applied to secular and selfish ends, however vast and varied its attainments. It is worldly in the aspatolic sense. It is earthly, sensual, devilish, not like the wisdom which is from above, which is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. Rather, it is self-deluding, spiritually worthless, and ultimately confounding, close quotes. Holding high our doctrinal statement is the first step in maintaining a firm foundation for the local church. But our human wisdom and reasoning must not draw believers away from godly wisdom of the Bible. But it's not just about what we teach or what we say, but it's about our heart motives in the matter. Are we humble? Are we teachable? Are we transparent? We're reminded of Job in chapter 42, who was caught in his own folly of uh, reasoning rather than resting in the wisdom of God. Psalm 94.11 stresses that God alone teaches people rightly and that human wisdom is at best folly. All we know these to be true, but yet we fall into that. All teaching, all teaching belongs to us as believers to study and apply in our walk with Christ. Yet, we're reminded in verses 21 through 23 that all teaching from the apostles and Jesus Christ first belongs to God. It has been provided for us to know intimately who God is so that it would drive us to worship and glorify his name forever. Amen? That is what we are called to do, to glorify and worship God's name forever. So we maintain a firm foundation by spiritual wisdom when we walk in humility, transparency, and teachability in the local church. Now, as we conclude, we look back on chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, and we see that Paul is writing to help the church of Corinth get back on track for unity. Here are a few things that we see. First, Paul laid a foundation. That foundation was laid is the gospel of Christ by the grace of God. Others are to build on that foundation. But those others are the believers in the local church. We must be careful how each of us builds on that foundation. We're not to lay another foundation than the one that is laid, which is the gospel of Christ. Second, each man's work on the foundation of the gospel will be tested by fire. All of our labors for Christ in ministry will be tested by fire. If it's hay or stubble, it'll be burned up and we'll suffer loss. But we ourselves will be saved as yet through fire. Or, in contrast, if our work is of precious metals, they will stand. And they will be even greater because of the heat of the fire. For heat and fire and testing refine pure works. Our works of service will not be burned up. And he or she who labors will receive a reward, that reward being that it will be more of a glorification to God our Father. Third, and I'm going to put this directly, the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthian church and his leaders to stop it. 
Stop the jealousy, stop the pride, stop the know-it-all, stop aligning yourselves and dividing yourselves with different leaders, different programs, different views on doctrines, preferences. All of this was just being established in the church of Corinth. Rather, he's saying, focus on the unity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be humble, be teachable, be transparent. In other words, remember who you are, believer. You are a servant of Christ, and you belong to Christ and Christ alone. He saved you out of fire and out of damnation, which you clearly deserved in your fallen state. You were an enemy of God. Jesus Christ paid that penalty on the cross once and for all, taking all your punishment so that you would be redeemed, that you would be considered righteous, that you would even be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ himself, fully presentable before God the Father for all eternity in heaven. Amen? What a glorious truth. And that is our foundation. Remember who you are, believer, and get serving in the right way for the right reasons. Get serving. Serve the Lord. Brothers and sisters, recognize that anything you do in service to Jesus Christ is of high value to God, very high value. Efforts to get the gospel out or to help believers grow in Christ-likeness, it all must be done in the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. Anything short of that will be burned up and have no value to the kingdom. This all drives the many gifts and callings that Pastor Jeff just preached on last week. It is the unity of the local church that we must come together with the heart of Christ to serve him in ministry. I urge you, brothers and sisters, do not let the differences of who you follow, what podcasts, what theologians, a current view of a philosophy, or maybe even a distinctive of theology, don't let those things lead to disunity. Rather, focus on unity with the brothers and sisters within the local church. One theologian notes it this way, quote, it is important that all Christians recognize that their relationship with the local church and their pastors. First, as members of the family where they get fed and grow. Second, as plots in the garden where the seeds entrusted to us produce spiritual fruit. And third, as living stones in making up the temple where we honor and glorify God, close quote. Paul provides us the reason for humility, understanding, and love and forgiveness within the body. Brothers and sisters, here in the local church, we are called to serve God in unity through humility for the furtherance of the gospel. Will you do that? Will you do that? As fellow brothers and sisters, we are for you, and you should be for all of us as we grow and together in Christ-likeness. Together, we have a calling to spread the gospel across Lakeville and to the ends of the earth. Local church unity is fueled by accountability to God and to each and every one of us within the local church. We have accountability to our brothers and sisters within the church. We have been set apart as a local church. God has set us apart 
from every common use. Together as believers, we are the temple of God, devoted and consecrated to glorifying God. Let each of us make a commitment to build on the proper foundation with proper hearts and motives in unity. Pray with me.